Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. What's up, Overcomer Nation? I am here today with my special friend, special guest, fellow Dirk and Masterminder. This is the author of The Youth Truth. He's a presenter. He's the owner of PFP over there in Frederick, Maryland. Soon I'll go see him in person because I love hanging out with this guy. When we go to Mastermind events, you'll always see me with him. Andrew Simpson, thanks for making time. Welcome to the show. Travis, thanks for having me, brother. Wow, this is a long time coming. We've been trying to make this happen a few different <laughs> times. I'm glad that we're here. I'm glad yeah, that- yeah, we're, yep, it's meant to be. Perfect timing. Well, you know, this show is sponsored by Journey, which is a place of mind, body, spirit. And you are one of the most spiritual people that I know. Uh, so I'm really excited for you to share your journey today and, you know, share how adversity has shaped your life. But let's get a little background first. Uh, so let's talk a, a bit about your journey that now became PFP, if you will. So uh, how long have you been doing this now? Man, so seven years ago, 2014, uh, I was renting space from a fight club. You might not even know this whole story, Travis. I was renting space from a fight club here in Frederick, Maryland. And I really wasn't sure what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I was 20. Three, so I guess that's the time when every 23 year old's asking, "What am I? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do?" And uh, so I was just renting space. I hadn't committed to a business yet. It was just a small thing on the side. And uh, I ended up going to the Todd Durkin mentorship uh, back in 2014. And it was there that I uh, really I went from having no clue what my purpose was to feeling like I had a crystal clear vision that I was put on this earth to help uh, young men and women middle school, high school students, college age students, um, yes, get bigger, stronger, faster for sports, but also help them develop as people, develop as leaders. And over the course of the past seven years, the world's just gotten crazier and things for youth have just gotten more challenging. So obviously that purpose has evolved along the way. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, seven no, it's, years. It's funny, uh, if you don't mind interrupting you there for a minute, it's funny that you say, you know, this is what every 23 year old is, is doing. Uh, Andrew, I've always viewed you as much more mature than how old you are. Uh, you are, we are in the most elite, as they call it, of the mastermind. You know, we're in the top group in the mastermind, which means that, you know, you're usually surrounded by people that have accomplished a few things and uh, may, ha- may have multiple locations, multiple books. But I consider you to be one of the wisest leaders in that group, even though you're not uh, necessarily the oldest one. And I don't think that people at 23 are like, oh, what am I going to do? I, I think that some people are taking to 30 right now to even ask themselves that question. So, uh, this is true. You know? <laughs> uh, so yeah, then you, you, so you came back with this crystal clear vision that became PFP. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to compliment you for that. Yeah, of course. Of course. So yeah, so we came back and uh, opened up a brick and mortar facility and it was still like dip my toes in the, the water type moment. We signed a 12 month lease on a very small building, very small overhead, uh, just because I wasn't sure what it would turn into yet. And so over the 12 months that we were in that location, 
we were able to help a lot of people. Well, we, we started out with 12 clients and we were able to help them more than a typical gym would help them, right? Similar to what you guys do at Journey, we care about their whole life, not just uh, getting them bigger muscles. And so uh, just based on that, plus we have a pretty big emphasis on the uh, customer experience, again, as does Journey. And, uh, you know, when a person walks in our doors, you better believe they're, they're getting shouted by their first name. They're getting high five, fist bumped, um, hugged. And, uh, you know, we had a person in the very beginning who really cared about learning people's stories and uh, would before a workout or after workout would invest time to get to know the people. And I didn't realize it, how valuable it was at the time, because I was all about, you know, let's get on the floor and do the workout and help you with your fitness. But uh, we, you know, having a supporting staff that really invested in the before and after the workout, creating an experience there. I didn't realize how much that was needed in our area. And so we grew quick, man. We grew from 12 clients to 100 clients in that first year. And I attribute it to a lot of different things, but certainly uh, that experience was part of it. And these are all training clients. You know, it's, 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 always, uh, it's always good to find out the why behind what people do. So you go to the Todd Durkin, you know, what am I doing the rest of my life? You go to the mentorship and then you decide, you know, I'm crystal clear. You know, I want to do something with the youth. What do you think is your, your deepest, most internal uh, motivation for wanting to work with the youth? You know, what, what drives you? Because, I mean, we're going to talk on this episode of how you became the author of The Youth Truth. And, and I believe that there's been some adversity, uh, at least for our youth, that shaped that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, what's your why? What's your why for, you know, working with the, the main clientele that you do? So it's very, it was very simple initially. Uh, I was... I was fortunate enough at uh, 20 years old to come across my first mentor, uh, somebody who really invested in me, taught me you know, how to be successful in life, uh, taught me a lot of principles uh, about how to live, you, know, you reap what you sow, uh, just simple things that I, I, was, I, I felt so fortunate to have that person come into my life at age 20. And it transformed the way I thought, transformed my actions. And I started asking the question, why is it that we wait until, you know, 2022 to start teaching kids these very important life principles and lessons. Now, of course, some get it from their parents, but it doesn't always happen, right? So uh, I saw what it did for me, having a mentor, a coach, and I wanted desperately to give that to people younger, right? Like, why can't a teenager... Uh, really start to transform the way they think, you know, shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Uh, And so once we started seeing it work, right, like there was actually 12 year olds who were craving, uh, you know, this type of coaching in their life, not necessarily at a level that a 20 year old would receive it, but, you know, tailored to them, you know, call it personal growth and development, call it leadership development. Uh, But I realized like, wow, like kids not only are receptive to quote, life coaching, but they really are craving it. And now more than ever, they, they want it. They want something more yeah. than just someone, someone telling them how to get stronger and faster or how to increase their speed or their shot on the field. Like they, they want that next level of coaching to equip them as leaders. Well, that's awesome that it was a positive motivation that got you there. And, uh, you know, along those lines, which by the way, I, I think you're, you're so right on target, you know, adolescents, teenagers, I mean, why should we wait till we're 20 when some of the most important years are when they're adolescents and teenagers and you could really have the biggest impact 
and you know what drives the rest of their life, right? Be that spark. So uh, let's talk about the reason for writing the youth truth and, and talk a little mm-hmm. bit about what that book's about. Uh, because I think that you've since that time of being a 20 year old man and receiving a great mentor and saying, you know, I want other people to have that. You, you've also witnessed some other things that said, you know what, I, I want to write this book and I, and I want to talk about uh, what right. great is. So if you will, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what's in that book and the reason behind it, that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, man, this is the Overcomers podcast. I had to overcome a lot of fear and self-doubt to get that book out there because uh, I was I was speaking out directly against the very parents and coaches that through our business we were trying to serve and to speak out against the the sports, the youth sports industry that so many of our our clients came from. I mean, there are so we've we've really gotten down, uh, gotten to a bad place with youth sports. We are so overly emotionally invested in the outcomes of the game to the point where parents are fighting at youth sports events. Coaches are verbally, sometimes even, you know, physically harming kids. And these are some of the more extreme ends of what's happening in the youth sports world. Uh, but I was fed up. I couldn't, I couldn't go to another youth sports event and watch a parent scream at the refs or a parent scream at their own kid and embarrass them on the field. Uh, or a coach scream at a nine-year-old. I've got stories in the book just that will make you cringe um, when you when you read them because uh, we're just, it, it's gotten crazy. The subtitle of the book is literally coaching and parenting in today's crazy youth sports world. Uh, so, you know, I talk about the money-making business that sports have become, mm-hmm. uh, which was which was hard to write about that initially because we are a for-profit business that serves youth to help them get better at sports. However, for us, we view ourselves more as a, a life development business rather than just a athletic performance business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, so there's, there's a lot of problems in youth sports today. I guess the best way to sum it up, Travis, is uh, when you look at the trends of, of mental and emotional and physical health of our young student athletes, they're all trending in the wrong direction, unfortunately. Fear is at an all-time high and climbing amongst kids. Anxiety is at an all-time high and climbing amongst kids. Depression, suicide, all these things, um, if, if they were going in the right direction, I would say we were making progress and maybe the book wouldn't be needed, uh, but they're going in the wrong direction. So it begs the question, who can do something about it? Because someone's got to be able to lead a charge, to, to lead a movement that starts to get things moving in the right direction. And from, from my research, from my experience, I found that there's not a single person who has more influence in the life of a young man or woman than their coach, mm-hmm. their coaches, because they come home from sports and say, but mom, dad, coach said, that's the two most powerful words in right. the, the life of a 21st century adolescent is coach said. Uh, so what if coach starts that coaches start saying and prioritizing different things? Could we see a change and, and uh, the trends start to move in the right direction? Uh, I believe yes, for sure. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, you know, coach said, you're right. Like the coach becomes like the Bible, right? You know, whatever. The coach <laughs> says, like that, that's word. Um, you know, I see a lot of parents, I think that with with good intentions, they say, you know, I'm not going to have my kid have idle time. 
right? You know, my son, my daughter, you know, it, it's better to keep them busy. Uh, however, you know, sometimes that evolves into um, maybe a little bit of uh, uh, too much intensity on one part or another, or, um, uh, you know, I mean, what are some of the symptoms? Uh, I mean, you've just described a couple of unique situations, but um, in your book, The Youth Truth, like, you know, what, what are the problems that you hope to solve? You know, what do you hope for parents to learn from it? What do you hope for coaches to learn from it that, uh, that we can do better? Right. Well, I think one thing that comes to my mind as you were talking is let's look at how so many kids are getting home from their one of their four teams that they're playing for. They're getting home at 11 p.m. on a school night and they can't get their homework done in time. And so they're doing it on the drive. They're doing it on the drive into school. Uh, that's a problem. Right. And it's it stems. Here's where it gets tricky. The kid says they want to do it. Right. Mom, dad, I really want to be part of this third club team or this. Uh, an additional sports team. And so they tell their parents they want to be busier. They want to be part of all these teams. And as a result, they end up stressed and overwhelmed and they can't, they can't get anything done really well. They just do a bunch of things. Mediocre. Sounds like a, a problem that we have in business sometimes, or, you know, the, when you're a business owner or an executive, right? It's, it's a similar trend. And I think it starts at a young age. So the problem is parents are like, okay, my kid says he wants to do this. So I'm going to sign them up for it. Uh, and then we see the, the negative repercussions that come from that. It's almost like as a parent, you have to take it season by season. And sometimes you have to make decisions for your child's best interest. And then sometimes you have to let them make the decisions and experience the consequences that may come from it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really something that is, there's not a black or white answer to this specific situation we're talking about. It's got to be the parent really pausing and, and asking, what do I value most, right? What's most important in, in our family? Well, if, uh, if church, for example, and, and your child growing in their spiritual walk is very important to you, but you're allowing your kid to play on three club teams, one of which always plays on Sundays and the club team doesn't value church, well, now you've got a values discrepancy. Now your kid's confused. And so it really does in the book, I, I, I try not to, to impart all of my values on people. I try to ask questions that get a parent or a coach to ask what do they value most? And then let's make decisions in alignment with those values. Um, another one that every parent that I ever talked to and coach, they all say they value the progress, not the outcome. They value uh, the journey, not the destination. They want to see their kids make progress. It's not about being perfect. Yet, what we recognize and reward is always, always, always the destination. It's the outcome, right? What do we post about on social media? It's the outcome. It's the result. It's my kid got the trophy. Uh, when we ask our kids questions, we show them what we value. So when we say it, when they come up for practice, hey, how did you do today? In the kid's mind, that registers as, oh, they're asking about my performance, right? Did I get an A? Did I get a B? Or did I score goals? Did I win the game? And if that's not what you truly value as a parent, if you do value the, let's say, making progress, a better question would be, hey, how did you grow today? You know, hey, how did you get better today? Or um, 
what did you learn today? What did you learn? You guys lost, but what did you learn today? If we ask those types of questions, okay, now we're now we're lined up with what we say we value most. So we can go in a whole bunch of different directions with that, but I think that's really really important is is to decide what your values are as a coach or a parent, um, and then lead into and through those values as often as you can. We're not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect, even in my own business and family, right? Like I get off track, but. When I, I know I'm off track with my values as a business leader or as a parent, if I start to have enhanced anxiety, stress, overwhelm, those are symptoms that I'm living out of alignment with my values. Yeah, very good. Very good. And just to understand the power that there is in words and, and how we talk to our kids and the questions that we ask. And, you know, parents, you may be asking those questions because they were the questions that were asked of you. And they were the questions that were asked of your parents. That's why they were the questions asked of you. But somebody has to, somebody has to break that cycle. Somebody has to start asking new questions. So in that way, we can get our kids to, to value different things and, and value uh, not so much whether or not they won the trophy, but whether or not they became a better person. I love that. The coach that's physically or verbally abusive, you know, that person probably had a coach that was that too. And they probably thought the way to get something out of a athlete was to uh, uh, basically degrade them, right? You know, I mean, uh, just really yell at them or whatnot, just to light a fire under their butts or whatever. What do you think that these coaches should value more? Because that's clearly not a, a, a great thing for a kid. That's a horrible thing for a kid. It's traumatizing to look back and say, wow, I was just embarrassed in front of hundreds of people out there on the field. Um, Oh, I think that's a value thing. You know, what would you want their coaches to value more after reading your book? Yeah. One of the questions I'll ask coaches all the time is uh, out of all the players that you are coaching right now, how many of them are you pretty certain would invite you to their wedding someday? Mm. That's good. That's good. And, and, uh, and the, the, I get blank stares. Like I've never really thought about that before, but every single one of those coaches wants the answer to be all of them, right? I would hope all of them invite me someday because if not, and if all I ever did was make their jump shot better or them run faster and I never built a relationship, I never got them to, uh, got them better in life, then they're going to, you know, they're not going to invite me to their wedding someday. They're probably going to talk smack about me when they get older and they're going to hopefully try to not be like I was. And I, I find that uh, there's, there's some coaches, like you said, they grew up with a command and control screamer, right? Like a, a coach that would just always, that a coach that kind of viewed their players as like a wet rag that they were just trying to wring the most out of them. Like how much, how, how degrading is that? Like how much can I get out of my players as if they're there to serve you? And so we, we turn it around in the book and we talk about, you know, as a coach, it's, it's about serving them. And finding out who do you need to be so that they're, um, there's, a, there's a great story of a, a conductor of this orchestra. And he, the, the orchestra, they won like multiple national championships in a row for, for whatever they were part of, this, uh, this organization they were part of, or this league that they were part of. And then they started losing. And the, uh, the director of this orchestra went to his mentor and said, you know, what, uh, what am I doing? Like, why can't I get them to, to play like they used to? Why aren't they winning anymore? And his mentor said to him, 
who are you not being that your player's eyes aren't shining? And I found that so powerful because instead of looking outward and figuring out how can I get them to do more, a coach is wisest to look within and say, who can I be that's, you know, that my players would, would be energized and encouraged by me. Cause again, the coach is the leader, man. Uh, yeah. So what do they yeah. need? To you know, that, that's, that's a very important question to ask. Who do I need to show up at in this moment? Uh, we have to ask that for our kids, for our spouse. Uh, if we're coaching people, you know, we got to ask it for our coaching clients. It's super important. You reminded me, I, I have a very talented teammate. Uh, he was a great wrestler. And uh, he chose to have his previous wrestling coach be the one that married him. You know, so I would say he got more than fighting <laughs> for the wedding. So it makes me think that that coach must have been doing something right. Um, and as you you know, we have a coach and mentor, Todd Durkin, that's been asked to uh, marry recently a previous client on NBC Strong. So, uh, you know, there's a couple examples of coaches that uh, that are doing something right. Now, let me ask you a little bit more about your journey, Andrew. Mm -hmm. So you, you get on this mission. You're on this mission. You can see it clearly. You know that you're supposed to make an impact with the youth and you're focused on all the right things. You know, you don't just want a program to make them run faster and jump higher. And so you start including these different elements so that you can be that coach, that coach. It was like the person that showed up for you when you were 20 years old and gave you a good mentor. Uh, you're trying to really give a mentorship program to these kids as well. And you made a different decision during the pandemic than a lot of fitness business owners made. I mean, you know, uh, I think it was a quarter of them that closed right uh, permanently. And, you know, other people were trying to find ways to downsize but you chose to do something different. Uh, can we talk a little bit about what you chose to do and how that fits into your vision for the future? Yeah, well, we, uh, we tripled the size of our facility during the pandemic. So that was the, that was the decision we ended up making. And, uh, you know, we made it because we believe in what we're doing, right? At the end of the day, we believe that we're, that, uh, we believed that the way that the world was trajecting and again, the, where things were headed for youth and families, you know, we, we serve families, really. We, we have kids and adults that work out with us. Our goal is to get a, a kid and a parent from every family to work out with us. So we saw that the pandemic and what was happening was really crushing families in a big way too. And we call uh, one of our taglines is more than just a gym. So we believe a gym can change somebody's health, but more than just a gym can change somebody's life and can certain change, change somebody's family. So we knew that people were going to need a lighthouse to come to something that would spark them with joy and positivity when they needed it most. We also joke, Travis, uh, all the time about how, you know, many people have different ideas on Disney World, right? Is it, a, is it the happiest place in the world or is it the most terrible place in the world standing in lines and paying millions of dollars, right? But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people find joy. Kids find joy at Disney World. But how often can you go to Disney World? Mm -hmm. You know, once a year, if you're lucky. Yeah. I mean, people need a dose of happiness every week, probably mm -hmm. every day. So, so we knew we wanted to be able to provide something for people where they could get that happiness all the time, not just once a year. So that's what we did. We tripled the size of our facility. It wasn't easy. Uh, it was definitely challenging. And we've had 
we've had some growing pains as a result of making that big of a jump that um, all at once. Uh, but, you know, it's part of the journey. Got to go through some pain in order to make some progress. So that's where we're at. And so how big is your facility now? So we're in 17,000 square feet. 17,000 square feet. And your vision, which uh, I want to talk a little bit about how you uh, make some of your decisions that you do <laughs> when you yeah. choose to write the youth truth and you choose to move into 17,000 square feet. I, I think that that's uh, being deeply connected to your purpose. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about what that 17,000 square feet includes, because that's part mm -hmm. of your vision. So, so what's happening in this big space that you determined that you needed to triple your size to have? Yeah, so one thing we have is a game zone. Uh, again, got to have a place that's fun for kids, for them to want to be, the, be in a safe place like for longer than just an hour when they come in. So we got a game zone uh, that, that attracts the kids. We wanted to provide... Uh, we wanted to provide like a cafe type area, a place where people could, again, just hang out and have fellowship and, and connect after workouts. So we've got a small little coffee bar area with some seating there so people can connect. Uh, then we've got the locker rooms and showers because we wanted to give our, not just our clients, we call them guests, but not just our guests, uh, you know, that amenity. We also needed our coaches to have a place where they could take a shower in between, you know, they, they coach a session and then they work out. It's like, you got to have a shower before you go work with clients again. So of course we wanted to have that component, but if you walk into PFP, it's, it's a huge open space and half of it is for adults. Half of it is for kids. We wanted it to be, we wanted there to be a clear dividing line so that no longer would a 10 year old sprint full speed into the back of a, you know, back of an adult who's trying to do a workout and the adult gets all mad at them. So we wanted to have a clear dividing line. But we also found that the adults and the parents, they loved being in the same atmosphere as kids because it made them feel young again. And, you know, hearing the laughs or hearing the, you know, watch looking over and seeing their son work out while they're working out. It's just like a shared experience. So, yeah, man, we had to do that because in our old space, the parents and the kids ended up sometimes working out in very similar areas. <laughs> and I think, uh, uh, now that I say that, it makes me think about even with our own kid, we've got a three-year-old son. We always want to be in the same house as him, but sometimes it's nice for him to go downstairs and play for a little bit on his own so we can still hear him. You know, we know he's there, but not on top of us. So I think that's the same idea for why we had that uh, vision for our new space. <laughs> that's a great example. That's a great example. I get that. That's a, it's a very good family feeling environment, though, where everybody can benefit from each other's energy, but yet have their own set. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when you make decisions like what you've made, you, you said you were filled with a bit of self-doubt that you had to overcome when you wrote your book because you had mm -hmm. to challenge uh, people that were in your community, you know, coaches who you'd witnessed and parents who you'd witnessed. And, and then, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're all wondering, you know, what fitness looks like on the other side since they shut us down so many times. And, you know, we were definitely under the microscope, uh, but then you chose to triple in size. Where does your confidence come from? Where, where do, where's the, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, these are big decisions. I mean, your, your father, how many children do you have now? Two. Two. Yeah. These decisions are important to get right. <laughs> you got to provide, you know, I mean, it, it's, it, it's important. You're married. You got two kids. Uh, you got a lot of people counting on you. Uh, you know, you got yeah. a big team, you know, so 
Talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to me about feeling crystal clear after a Todd Durkin mentorship and uh, being willing to step out and write the book and being willing to triple in size during the pandemic. Where does this confidence come from? Yeah, well, a couple places. Uh, I think first off, if I feel if I feel too confident about something, I'm probably not getting out of my comfort zone enough. So, you know, uh, a God-sized dream, as our mentor talks about, requires strength that's not your own, right? It requires drawing strength from, uh, from God, from somebody that can do far more than you could ever in your own strength. So for me, when I make decisions like let's uh, triple the size of our facility, it comes after a lot of prayer and a lot, a lot of uh, seeking counsel from other people who have gone there before me. And then once I feel it, and it also depends on the size of the decision, right? Like moving, tripling the size of our facility in a pandemic, when there's a lot of economic uncertainty, that was a major decision. So that requires a little bit more prayer, right? And a little bit more, you know, diligence, um, but uh, I think that's that's number one, right? It definitely comes from from uh, hearing from God and from uh, from aligning my actions with what He says. But then the other piece really is uh, is about if you're if you feel good about every decision you make and there's no sort of uncertainty at all, I just think you're you're playing a little bit too small. You're not because I I shouldn't have felt super confident about doing something I've never done before, right? Sure. Like you have to be okay with not feeling confident because confidence is something you generate. It's not something you feel first and then take action on. I don't think. That is really good. So it's not confidence, but it's faith. Faith. It's that's faith. right. It's faith that I'm being led in a certain direction and I don't have all the confidence that it's going to work out, but I feel it in my spirit. that This is where I'm being led. So I'm going to step out in faith because mm -hmm. I guess confidence would come from walking by sight, but you're walking mm. by faith. Uh, yep, that's right. Very, very interesting. Uh, I really like that. I like that a lot. And so uh, let me ask you, how important is your faith to you? Like, uh, I mean, you mentioned praying and um, how much has that influenced your life? Uh, I mean, is this something that's been available to you since young age? Is this just a, a best practice that you've grown up with? Uh, you know, how much of a role has it played in your, your business life and who you are today, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, for me, it's, it's not a piece of the puzzle. It's not like a piece of my life that I'm trying to like fit into, like, it's not like my life and then my faith and, and God is a, is a puzzle piece I'm trying to fit in. It is the picture of what I want my life to look like. And then I'm trying to shape everything else around it. That's the, the picture that, that's the uh, imagery that my pastor gave us. Uh, recently. And I love that idea because a lot of people do, they try to fit spiritual life into their life when it is the, the whole thing. So mm -hmm. for me, uh, you know, when I think about why I'm in business and why we do what we do here, there's one very uh, specific reason. Obviously we're not a church here, right? We're, we're a business that helps people with their fitness and with their strength and with their confidence and all those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, all of our inspiration comes from God, right? And it's, uh, God is love. So for, for us, that's, that's one of our core, at the core of our mission is to, to love people. And yeah. sometimes 
what love looks like is, hey, you told us that you wanted to lose 20 pounds, but <laughs> right, but right. You, 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 you know, you're not showing up to your workouts. So we got to have a truthful and honest conversation. Like that's love sometimes. Uh, so yeah, it's a good question. I see the parallels though. I see the parallels with how you challenge parents in, in the book, you know, Sundays were important to you uh, and, you know, they're not important to the club or the team that you're playing with, you know, because, you know, there's always games on Sunday and you can't make it to church. You know, you, if you have a good compass, if you have a good anchor, you know, you can determine what fits into your life based on what your life is supposed to look like. And yeah. so I see the spiritual hole in that as people that are spiritual, um, we try to make sense of things. And uh, I think a faith really helps us to sometimes see our adversities as our advantage. Hmm. Has there been a certain struggle that's given you strength or, um, you know, an adversity that later became your advantage? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I think the, the biggest one I can think of is back in 2018, uh, my father who was extremely healthy, he was working out with me, uh, at the gym. He had uh, quit smoking about five years prior. He was uh, you know, he was just on a mission to feel the best that he ever felt and get in the best shape of his life. Uh, he had a few grandkids and I was, um, my wife and I were expecting our first back in 2018. And uh, so my dad was at a great place in life. And uh, March 31st, uh, March 30th of 2018, uh, he found out he had stage four lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And, and obviously stage four, there's, there's not a stage five. So stage five is you're gone. Um, and he went from being very healthy, working out in March to six months, six months later, uh, passing away after a, a really fast progressing battle with cancer, um, that he ended up, uh, you know, I guess technically losing, but I think he won in the long run when we, uh, we know where he's at, but that was, a that was probably the most trying time for me. And, you know, knowing that my son was going to be born just six weeks after he had passed away. So he never got to meet my son. Um, wow. But talk about turning adversities into advantage. Uh, it was about a week and a half after my dad passed that um, I was reading a devotional by a guy named Mark Batterson, who wrote an incredible book called Chase the Lion, a very inspirational book. And in that devotional, Mark Batterson told the reason why he wrote books. He said he writes books because he wants his children's children's children to know what their great, great grandfather stood for. Uh, all of us have a unique purpose in life and there will never be another person on the planet that shares your exact purpose. That's fascinating to me that no one will ever have the purpose, the exact purpose that I had. And so in that moment, I thought to myself, I've got this message that I know coaches and parents need to hear. I'm scared to, I'm scared to share it because I'm not sure what people are going to think about me and PFP, if they're going to think less of us or you know, how it'll be perceived. But I've got this message that I need to share. And clearly, life is fragile. I'm not going to live forever. My dad passed away you know, earlier than I thought he would. So I got I to gotta do this now because who knows how long I have. None of us know. Uh, so you know, God was able to use me and my dad's passing to communicate a message that has now helped a lot of people and a lot of families with, uh, with an area that I believe is being attacked right now, which is, you know, youth sports. Wow. 
that's awesome. I'm uh, very sorry for your loss. I, you know, we knew each other then, and uh, and uh, you know, I'll just say it. You know, while we're on the show today, uh, thank you for sharing. Thanks for being vulnerable. Um, six months, and then to you know have your first child born just weeks after. Um, you know, that's really tough. But yet, you found an inspiration in that. You said, you know, how can I? How can I learn from this? And, and then that way I will have even more of a legacy. And, you know, the, the story that was able to touch you was able to touch you in such a special way because of your father's passing. And so that's a tribute in itself. You know, I think that's really awesome. Well, I have a, a question I'd like to ask everybody. Maybe this will be my book someday. Uh, <laughs> and so this is the question. What do you think it takes to be an overcomer? Since we just talked about what you were you know, one example of something that you had overcome. And we've talked about a couple today on the show between, you know, overcoming the decision, the self-doubt to write the book, um, you know. So um, what do you think it takes? So I'm reading a book right now called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. How to make life not about you, basically. How to how to, I mean, it's, I just got, I can't recommend it enough. It's only 45 pages. It's a 45 page book. It's super small, but man, every page has meaning. Every page is powerful. So uh, I think in order to be an overcomer all the time and whatever you do, you have to have this, uh, this humble view of self, which is not thinking of your, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And that will allow you, no matter what you're going through to say, all right, this can be a blessing to somebody else. This can be a lesson for somebody else. If I persist and persevere through whatever it is I'm going through, I know it could help somebody else. It might not feel good for me. It might not be what I want at the time, but I'm going to move forward and I'm going to continue on because again, it could be beneficial for somebody else. So I think, I think self-forgetfulness is a key to uh, being an overcomer, even when you don't feel like overcoming whatever it is that you're going through. Wow. I want to read that book. Uh, say the title one more time. Self-forgetfulness. What was it? Man, I bought 12 copies after I was finished reading it. So I'll send you one, but it's called uh, The Freedom of Self. Freedom. Okay. By Timothy Jennings, I believe is the author. The Freedom of Self-forgetfulness. I think that's so great. It really is the answer to so many things. I, I say that about, uh, you know, depression or addiction or uh, just, you know, all sorts of if we could just find a purpose greater than ourselves or look outside ourselves, uh, many of the things that we struggle with can actually be a little cynical because we're just way too focused on ourselves and our own struggles. So uh, that, that's awesome advice. Really good. Really good. Well, Andrew, to get more of you, to follow you, to, to visit PFP, to uh, get the youth truth, can you just give us like a few links and things that people can uh, learn more? Yeah. Well, The Youth Truth is on Amazon, so they can go straight to Amazon, type in The Youth Truth. You can get it on audio uh, or you can get it in uh, paperback or Kindle. As far as getting connected and learning about what we do at PFP, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Players Fitness and Performance. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and then my personal uh, social media, you can definitely follow me. Andrew Simpson 04 is uh, Facebook. And then Instagram is Coach Andrew PFP. I believe go to the Facebook one for sure. I'm definitely active on there. Uh, the Instagram one, I think it's coach Andrew PFP. We can put it in the notes. I'm sure if, uh, if that works. 
Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll definitely put it in the notes. Andrew, thanks for being, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your time. Thanks for being so vulnerable. Uh, you're awesome. You got it, brother. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com.